Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you made it out today in the summertime, and we're just so excited you're here. We're uh, continuing a series called Overwhelmed. Everybody say overwhelmed. Yeah, and just saying that makes you feel a little, uh, what's the word? Overwhelmed. And so we're going to talk about that because it's a very, very uh, real and relatable topic. And we know many people struggle with this. I struggle with it. If you're a human, you struggle with it. And so we're going to talk about what God has to say about that today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and our family and all of our staff, all those who serve to come and set up at early in the morning at seven today. We're so glad that you're here. Also, if you're a guest with us, we're honored that you're here. Will you do me a favor, church? If you're a family member, let's welcome all of our guests. Just give them a hand clap. Show them some love. So happy that you're here today. Um, also want to welcome those listening on our podcast. We have many people, hundreds of people who actually serve and give through our podcast and actually are incredible members of our church. Just want to welcome them who are, maybe they're on the treadmill right now or driving to church or school or somewhere they're going. We're so happy that you're with us. And uh, if you are on Facebook right now, go ahead and pull out your phone. If you're on Facebook, it's all good. Can I have my phone in church? Yeah, you can have your phone in church. And so go ahead and uh, just check in. Let everybody know you're uh, at church right now while there might be at the beach where we all wish we were. So anyway, um, so glad that you guys are here today. We're going to be Matthew chapter 11 today. Matthew chapter 11. Hey, if you are a guest with us, I'm going to give you a challenge if that's okay. I want to challenge you. Come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why we do that is because I know that no matter where I've been, I don't always get the total picture if I go only once. And so I want to invite you, come back, try us at least three times, see if this place is family to you. We want it to be family. We desire to be family. That's what we're building here. We're not trying to build another church, another organization. We want to be spiritual family, and hopefully this is your cup of tea. And uh, we're excited that you're here today. Matthew chapter 11 is where we're at. Again, we're in a series called Overwhelmed. Last week, if you missed it, go to our podcast. You can check it out. It's going to be, we really talked about the first step and how we get over the feeling of being overwhelmed. And we talked about, here was the principle of recap, the what we said was, is we said, we don't want to give up. Don't you dare give up. But how we not give up, here's how we don't do it. We focus, we look, we see, and we look at the things that are unseen or eternal. And we talked about uh, praying, serving, and giving. We talked about that a little bit. And so that's what was last week. This week, we're going to talk about step two. And so Matthew chapter 11, at this point, the context, before we go there, there's some context I want to give you. Jesus is in full-time ministry. He's running and gunning. He's doing his thing. And, and Matthew, Matthew is a gospel in the New Testament. It tells the life of Jesus, and Jesus is doing ministry. He's exciting. He's becoming um, the it preacher in the, the area and in the region, and he's walking around, and he's healing people, and he's teaching people, and he's growing the ministry, and um, he gets to this part where he starts to talk to people who start to feel overwhelmed, and the primary reason one of them that are feeling overwhelmed is they feel overwhelmed by the super religious, super Christian, super like Pharisee, they're called Pharisees, and they're they're adding these things to really following Jesus that's making it hard on them, and they're starting to feel this feeling of overwhelmedness, this feeling of stress and pressure, and 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 they we're not going to measure up, and it, you know that doesn't happen now in churches, right? That's 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 foreign. It, yeah, yeah, it does. And so he he says this statement. He wants to address it because the feeling of overwhelmed is is not um, something that's rare. It's something that's very common. And he says this in Matthew chapter eleven. He says, "Come to me." This is important. Come to me, all who are weary who are tired and are burdened, who are, who are consumed with life, who are consumed with stress, who are consumed with anxiety, just thinking about your week right now, you're sitting there going, I can't even pay attention to the message 
because I'm stressed about my stress coming up, and then I'm going to be stressed about the stress, and then the stress is going to come in, and I'm going to walk around with like a big stress ball, right? And he says, come to me, all of you stressed out people, and I will give you rest. I love that, that word rest. And he says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. And he goes on to say, for, for my yoke is easy. Everybody say easy. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The yoke word there is, um, yeah, I've heard many preachers talk about, you know, the yoke of an ox or the yoke of, a, of an animal that might be pulling maybe a, you know, a way to uh, dig up the ground. But if you do any studying and searching of what that scripture actually meant in context, the yoke of, that he was speaking was one of a yoke of a rabbi. Rabbis at that time would have a yoke, and the yoke meant their interpretation or how they viewed the scriptures. What their interpretation was of it, how they saw what the word of God said on how you relate in the kingdom. And I love that. So better interpreted, Jesus was saying, listen, there's a lot of people who interpret this book and make you feel overwhelmed. Make you feel like it's not enough. Like you're never, like you're going to have major, major issues because you're never going to be invited to the Christian party no matter how good you get. He said that yoke, that interpretation by the Pharisees and all the rabbis out here is too heavy. It's going to make you tired. It's going to make you feel burdened. He said, my yoke, my interpretation, what I see in Scripture, what I know, what God the Father is trying to relate to the humanity of our world, it's light and it's easy. Because it's all on Jesus. I love the message translation for verse 29. It actually says, come to me. And get away with me and you'll recover your life. How many of y'all would like to recover your life right now? Somebody stole a piece of your life and you're mad and upset. He said, I want to recover. I want to help you recover your life. I like that. He said, I'm not going to recover it for you. You're going to recover it with my help. It's different. And he says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Everybody say real rest. Yeah, look at your neighbor and say, real rest. Look at your neighbor. Come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, real. Like we want a real one, not a fake one, right? He said, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn. I love this. This is so good. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, just come to me. I want to help you not be overwhelmed. If you're taking notes today, the name of my message is a mind is a terrible thing to waste. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, we're here for you not to lift up a, a pastor or a church or a denomination or even a religion, God. We're here to lift up the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names. And so, God, we know that when your name is lifted up, God, men are drawn to you. 
And that, Holy Spirit, you would speak even now into our hearts so that we may be clear about what you ask of us. That we can get over our overwhelmness. We can move past our anxiety and our stresses. You know that's not the best way for us to live. And I pray that we would do that in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. I have a condition I wanted to uh, reveal to you guys today as your pastor. I feel like maybe the best way that I, you know, the Bible says in James that to, uh, to get healing for your, uh, to get it, you know, uh, to be saved, we confess our sins to Jesus. But to get healing for our soul and our body, we confess our sins one amongst another. And the reason we do that is because when I say that I'm messed up, you say eventually you're messed up, and then we got two messed up people going to the one who's not messed up, Right. And so I wanted to reveal to you today, this is, uh, this is breaking news, and uh, so you guys feel free to, you know, tweet this or Insta, you know it, or uh, Facebook, whatever, and, uh, and so I want to reveal to you. When I have a revealing moment, I have a condition, and uh, it's called FOMO, and uh, it's, uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's fear of missing out. Come on, everybody say that. Say fear of missing out. Out. Come on, like, like you got Red Bull in you and you're happy to be here at a 9.30 service. I, I got fear of missing out. Yeah, does anybody else have that condition other than me willing to admit it? Okay, I got one, two, three. Most of y'all, okay, the rest of y'all are just lying. That's okay. You're in church. You ask forgiveness. And so um, I have a fear of missing out. I have a fear of that, that if I don't do something... I'm going to miss out on something. I'll give you an example. I love to shop. But, but uh, anybody else like to shop in here? You like to shop. I like to go to the stores. Most people I can shop under the ground. I can go to the mall all day and literally rotate through all the stores multiple times, try on different things, talk to the salespeople. Most people, Lock and Tara, know my name. Hey, Aaron, what's up, man? I'm like, what's up? It's my people. I like to shop. And, uh, but here's my issue is because the reason I like to shop is I don't like to miss out. I'm not trying, what's the new thing? I'm going to check that out. And I got to manage it. And so my wife sent to my life to make sure that I manage it. And she manages our finances to make sure I don't go crazy. And so I enjoy getting out and trying on new things. And so my issue is, is I have a fear and a stress and an anxiety that I'm missing a sale. In fact, you know, prime days coming up on Amazon or, 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 uh, or like black Friday sales and deals. You want to know what that I'm the most stressed out during those times. You want to know why? Because I want to buy everything on the sale. And I don't know if it's how I grew up or something, but if it's on sale, I'm like, I, have, I try to find a way to justify a reason I need that thing. Anybody else? Anybody? And so I'm like, man, I really want, because I don't want to miss out on the sale. But then here's my other part. I have anxiety on the other side because when I buy it, then I'm nervous. I'm like, man, maybe I shouldn't have bought that. I don't know if I should have bought it. Maybe I'll take it back. Where's my receipt? And so I take stuff back, and I'll show up. In fact, I've talked my wife into now taking stuff back for me so that I don't look dumb. <laughs> it's just a revealing moment, right? So it's like we're all on a journey. Don't judge me. You know, so anyway, so, but like I have that stress, you know. I'll give you another example. Anybody ever go on social media, and you'll be at home, and maybe it's a Friday night, and you're sitting there, and you're a little bored, and you're looking around, and you're like, this is life. This is what it's come to. I'm just, i got kids everywhere. Stuff on the ground. My wife, she's awesome, but, you know, she's over there, and I, I, this is it. And then you, you pick up your phone innocently, and you jump onto a social media of your choice. And you see someone take a picture. It's like a selfie, you know? And, 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 and they're, they're like. And, and in the background is all your friends. 
And they're like, this is the best. It's like all caps, best party of the year, hashtag blessed, you missed out. And I'm like, I missed out. And you're like, man, there's like, oh, I didn't get it. And then all the, like, you didn't get invited. What did I do? Did I get offended? Like, I want to, I'm missing out. I want to go be at that party. Those chicken fingers look really, really good. And man, I want to hang out over there. And that looks great. Anybody else? Anybody? Right? And so I have a fear and I get anxiety and I start feeling, you know, overwhelmed. And, and I, it makes me go places I don't even really want to go, but I don't want to miss out. And it makes me see movies I don't really want to see. I know they're terrible, but I miss out. And I go to them and I show up and I'm in the movies, you know, that it just, I don't even know why I'm in here. And, and I've struggled with feeling overwhelmed because of what I feel like that. And here's, here's, here's my thinking on it. My thinking is, if I don't do it, I'm missing out. But the problem is, is that's wrong thinking, isn't it? The truth of the matter is, is there's, 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 there's so many reasons why you are going to something or not going to something or why you should buy it or why you shouldn't buy it. But my thinking is always that I'm missing out. And if I always think that, you know what's I found interesting? If I always think I'm missing out, have you ever noticed when you always think you're missing out, you tend to feel like you're missing out and therefore you have now proclaimed in your life you're missing out, even though you really aren't. And so the, the, the issue really is my thinking. And the principle that I wanted to kind of bring up today is, is this. I want to really make it clear. It's wrong thinking produces wrong actions. Now, you know that to be true. Because if you think wrong, if you think a motive, if you think someone's hard, if you think about something and it's wrong, it produces wrong actions. It makes you do wrong things. And if we're not careful, we can actually become almost self-fulfilling prophets in our life. The Bible speaks about this in Proverbs. I wanted to give you this scripture to just think about. As a man thinketh, I use the King James Version for all of you like that and think that's like the only Christian version to use. You know who you are. And so anyway, as a man thinketh, and they add the T-H at the end of it, you know, because they're all, you know, British. And so as a man thinketh in his hearteth, so is heeth, you know. And what it's saying is, is if you think a certain way, you're going to be a certain way. That's why when you meet a bunch of people and they're mopey, it tends to be because all they think is mopey thoughts. It's like you're, you are literally the manifestation of Eeyore. You watch too much poo. And so when we think ugly and we, we tend to be ugly, if we think wrong, we tend to be wrong. If we think bad things, we tend to be bad things. And, and, and thoughts are extremely important. Even in statistics, statistics will show you that I read this, it blew my mind. It was in a, a, a medical journal I was reading about stress and anxiety and it said 87% of all illnesses can be attributed to your thought life. That leaves 13%. If I have my math, I've been to college. If I've been my math correctly, toward diagenetics and environment. So if what we think about determines things like um, certain types of, I mean, this is science, strokes and migraines and cancers and infections, like the way we think right now. In fact, science is now catching up to what the Bible has always taught. Because there hasn't been technology enough for us to see our brains actively as they work. And now scientists are actually walking up and going, no, the Bible's true. No, it's true. If you think that way, you're gonna, I'm telling you, it's going to affect your physiology. And if that's true, church, I'm just telling you, the best thing we need to do, man, we need to have the right mindset, the right mindset about what being overwhelmed is all about. We have to have the right mindset to get over our overwhelmedness. So last week we talked about what we look at. This week I'm going to talk about what you think like. We're going to talk about our minds because a mind 
is a terrible thing to waste, right? Number one, the first mindset change we need to have if you feel overwhelmed is this. We need to think God, then me. I know for you as a Christian, because if you're a Christian in here, if you're not a Christian in here, I'm so happy you're here. You're in the right place at the right time, and God has a plan for you. But this is not to you. This is to Christians. This is to those who know better. Then intuitively think, well, yeah, God, and then me. We think in our minds, that's how we're going to live. That's what we're going to do. That's what our desire is. But how many of y'all know just because I feel a certain way or just because I want to do something and just my intention is it doesn't mean I do it all the time. And more often than not in our lives, I think we step into me than God. Me than God. Matthew chapter 11 says this. I think it's interesting that Jesus says, come to me first before all that other stuff. You got to start with God. You got to start with me. You got to start with Jesus. You got, there's a principle of priority in your life. It's first things matter. First things first. It's first things first thinking. Your priority and where you have God in your life matters and it affects your anxiety and your stress. It just does. If you don't put God first and have him first in all categories and aspects of life, it will affect the rest of your life. If you don't start off right, it affects the rest of your life. I was in uh, high school and I tried out for the racing team, the running racing team. And I know as you see this uh, body specimen before you, I look like a runner, right? And so I, that's uh, a joke. And so I, I tried out for the running team, and I remember what my coach said. He said, team, you better start off the block right. I didn't even know what he was talking about. I just wanted to get up and run as fast as I could. And he's taught us that when you get down and start the race, if you don't start right, it has an effect on the rest of the race. That if you don't start with the right footing, if you don't start with the right position, if you don't start with the right mentality that I got to get off good. In fact, he went so far as to say the race is won and lost in the block. Which means the race is won and lost in the starting point with your mind. Matthew chapter 6, another part of Scripture where Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. First we go, God, can we start with all those righteous things? I want all the things first. First, me. Then, if there's leftovers, you. But I love you. You're my boy. And then we get overwhelmed. And I think Jesus was giving us a hint. First, first, everybody say first. That means in the Greek, first. You're welcome. You got deep today. First the kingdom. First God. First, how does he do it? First, I'm going to ask, in everything that I do, am I doing it God's way? Because I've noticed people who are overwhelmed and are stressed and are anxiety, when I'm most stressed, it's because I have honestly position God in the wrong position of my life. So the question you have to ask yourself is, 
in the categories of your life, where's God? How about this? Just a practical one. How about with food? I used to weigh 325 pounds. And one of the things that I did when I went to my trainer, we started talking about was where food was in my priorities of my life. Where I elevated food and what I made it to be and what it shouldn't be in my life. And it caused me to be overwhelmed, stress-filled anxiety. I had positioned food wrong in my life and therefore got the result. So God wasn't first, food was first. So I didn't go to God for comfort, I went to food for comfort. Come on, y'all see what I'm saying? And so if God's not number one, then nothing else, nothing else, it ripples, it ripples into every part of my life. How about your kids? I've noticed that when I don't do things God's way with my children, it can have a ripple effect into their life. And so there might be times where I need to discipline And I don't feel like I want to do it, but I do it because God says, discipline, train, lead your kids. They don't lead you. And so one day you want to be their friend, so be their parent now. That's God's way more than it is my way, and honestly. I did a Twitter poll or a Facebook poll this week, and uh, it was on... um, what stresses you out? What stresses you out? Do we have that, Tabby? We, we, we have that. And I had this question, what adds the most stress to your life? And this is, by the way, I've been pastoring for almost 20 years. This is never the different. This is never different. This is typically. The rest of them will swap from time to time depending on the type of church or demographic we have. This, finances, is always the number one thing. Always. And so my, my burden as a pastor is to share with you there's a way of doing your finances that honors God and helps you. But anytime I bring it up, oh, the church just wants your money. I'm not even talking about giving to the church. I'm talking about honoring God with what he's given to you. You want to uh, practically, a budget. Some of you don't even know what that looks like. Some of us don't even go towards the B word. It's the budget word. It's the B word. I don't want to talk. Why would we do that? I'm not limiting myself. Why would I say no to anything? You don't know how I grew up, Pastor. You don't know how I have to deal with things. You don't know what it took for me to earn this money. I'm going to use it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm not saying don't enjoy it. I'm just saying don't enjoy it to the point where you have nothing, and now you are indebted to a credit card company you'll never get out from under. And so there's processes, there's being stewards, there's saying no to things instead of saying yes to things. There's this ability where God, I want you to honor the thing that he gave you, which is your money. So you don't feel overwhelmed. Do you honor God first with your money? So there's positional things of how we do it. What's the step? Here's the step I want to give you in this particular part. Think God, then me. The step is this. We start with God's ways. We get God's peace. Everybody say that with me. Say, we start with God's ways. We'll try that again. I'll say it, and then you say it. We start with God's ways. We get God's peace. We start with God's ways. We get God's peace. So I want God's peace. I want the peace of God. I want the the tranquility of God. I want the shalom of God. I want God. God, I want your peace on my life. In order to do that, you got to do it God's way. That's our step to think God first. 
than me. Second step, second mindset is this. Think rhythm, not balance. Think rhythm, not balance. I love this scripture in Matthew chapter 11. It says this in the, in the, in that, in the translation, learn the unforced rhythms. Everybody say rhythms. Yeah, it unforced rhythms of grace. Just so you know, there are no biblical scriptures on balance. The Bible speaks way more to seasons, way more to to rhythms, way more to you being able to actually focus on the the rhythms of life. I I had this picture of uh, of this lady I saw the other day. How many of y'all seen this lady right here? She's at like basketball games. And anytime you say balance, leave this up, Tabby. Anytime you say balance in life, everybody hear that statement? It's a lie from the culture. If you just, your search in life should be a balanced life. And the problem with that lie, that's a lie. The problem with that lie is if you just just balance, just balance things and you're going to be okay, you won't feel overwhelmed. The problem with that belief system is that almost actually um, uh, promotes a stressed out life. And it says this, as long as you can balance it all, you can do it. And what you end up being is living a life where you got, okay, then there's, there's my job, and then there's the finances, and then there's the kids, and then there's my, my extracurriculars, and then there's my hobby, and then there's my credit card debt, and then there's my, you know, there's my family, and then there's my mom, and then there's my sister, and then there's my cousins, and then there's my stress, and then there's all these stress. And what you wind up doing is you live a life like you're bound. Does anybody ever, other than me, feel like that sometimes in life? And you and I are like this going... <laughs> And somebody comes up and asks you a question, and you're like, what, what, what did you say, what, what, what? And it's a lie, because you're not meant to live like that. She can't live like that. That's for a moment. That's for an instant. You and I are called to run a long-distance marathon. Your win is not to be a flash-in-the-pan halftime show. Your goal in life is to run the race of the season and get to the end of the, the, the season and the playoffs and hold the championship trophy up high. But I've even noticed with this lady, she don't even play on the team. She ain't carrying no trophy. She doesn't live like that. She don't don't sleep like that. She don't eat like that. And she can't live like that. We can't either. There's a scripture I want to read you. It's Hebrews chapter 12. And you might not think of it like this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I want to show you. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, I'm going to read fast. To the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. You're being slowed down by some weights right now. Especially the sin that easily trips us up. And let us run. Everybody say run. Yeah, let's run with endurance. That's an important word, endurance, the race God has set before us. Two words I want to highlight. Number one is endurance. You and I are called to run an endurance race, not a sprint. Sprinting people love balance because they like to do this, and they hold off, and they're flashy, and they show off, and they do things they shouldn't do, and they say yes to things they shouldn't say yes to, and they are really, really flashy, and they're a cool halftime show, but they don't make it to the end. And they implode, and when one plate goes down, come on, has you ever, have you ever felt like that? One plate on your plate, one thing fell off that you were balancing, and then they all came crashing down. You're called to run a long-distance endurance marathon. And the second thing is this, God set a race before you. 
You have a race to run. Run your race. Don't run other people's races. Don't, you're not running my race. You're not running your cousin's race. You're not running your sister's race. You're not running your friend's race. You're not running your neighbor's race. You're running your race that God put you on. And so please don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Have you ever noticed? It doesn't work. There is no end to that race. It's a consistent, long-term sprint. And I've just noticed this. Sprinters are terrible long-distance runners. They don't make it to the end. I was in the gym the other day because I work out. You're welcome. And uh, I got onto the treadmill, and I go to the YMCA. And there is a reason I go to the YMCA. I'm typically the strongest person in there, you know, because... You know, the elderly people are swimming laps in the pool and doing water aerobics. And I'm like, yeah, you know. And so I'm on the treadmill, and I'm walking. I'm just doing my brisk walk, you know. And I feel good about myself. I feel like I'm back in the gym. Pretty good. Some guy got on next to me. And I did the guy thing that we do. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? I did the, what's up? We don't have to say nothing. We just so he gets on the treadmill, and he's, I'm at, you know, 1.5 or something like that, you know. <laughs> it's a brisk walk. Gets on. He goes to three, and I'm like, it's on now. <laughs> so I, what do you think I did? Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you know it. <laughs> Beep, 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 beep. 3.1 in your face. <laughs> he looks at me and he goes, and, and the guy was not younger. He, he was looked in maybe his 60s or 70s. It's the YMCA. <laughs> I'm standing there and I'm like, and he, beep, 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 goes to four. I go, beep, 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 4.1. <laughs> he goes to six. Beep, 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 6.1. He goes to nine. Beep, beep, beep. At this point, I'm now running faster than I've ever ran in my life. And I'm running, and I'm like, and he's running, and he's like. And I'm holding on to the bar, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Because if I stop, I can't even stop. And then he goes again, and you know what I did? You know, I backed up. No, I didn't back off. I went up again. I said, let's go. Let's go. And so I'm ready to go. And he's running like it ain't no thing. And I'm basically trying to make sure that I don't hit the ground. I get off the treadmill as he walks off. And he goes and does another, you know, whatever. He's over there. And I'm ready to walk out. And as I'm walking out of the gym, I realize... One thing, I shouldn't have done that, right? Now, now, that's silly because you, you, would think, you would say to me in that story, Pastor Aaron, why would you ever do that? Run your race, but we do that all the time in life. You, you could be good, not stressed, not worried, walking and running your race that God said before you, and then someone comes in and they bought a new car. And you're like... Beep, 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 beep. Let's go. 
You got that one? I got the next model up. They, somebody, your friend gets a new house, says hashtag blessed. Someone goes on a vacation, you see it. Someone has a kid who's in there who's just naturally gifted, and you go to your kid who's eating paint, and you're like, come on, you're ready to go. Let's go, man of God. You're going to win. Today is your day. You're going to be a valedictorian in preschool. Let's go. And you wind up getting hurt, don't you? Or you hurt other people. Run your race, church. You might be overwhelmed because you're running someone else's race. Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. You think rhythm and not balance. The Bible is so clear about this. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. There is a time for everything and a season. Everybody say season. In order for you to think rhythm, you got to think season. And this made sense to an agricultural society because seasons always meant something about farming. And if you're a farmer, you know what that means. There's a season for preparing. Start and stop. There's a season for plowing. Start and stop. There's a season for planting. Start and stop. There's a season for waiting. Start and stop. Then there's a season for reaping. Then there's a season for enjoying. There's a start and a stop. By definition, seasons have a beginning and have an end. Come on, church. Some of us need to start thinking and understanding, this ain't my season, or it is my season, and I'm going to embrace it, or it isn't my season, and I'm going to reject it. And so for us... We must think rhythms and seasons. Somebody came up to me the other day and said, you know, why doesn't Erica lead the women's ministry at the church? I'm like, women's ministry? She goes, why doesn't she? She should lead the women's ministry. She should be a part of this. She should be a part of it. And they're good intentioned. But what's funny is, is they don't know she's got a season. Right now, I have five kids under the age of 11. She's in children's ministry at the Grijalva house. It ain't her season. It's not her season. Hey, just so you know, she's been prophesied over her life. She got more leadership and speaking gifts than I do. I'm like, man of God, what about me? One day she'll lead. One day she'll be there. One day she will, but I'm not going to stress my wife out telling her, you need to be everything to all people in our church, baby, or although they leave. They're leaving. They're leaving it. They don't do it. No, 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 no. In fact, my pastor, he told me, he said, Aaron, I love you, but don't add any more to your wife's plate. It's not her season. One day. And so she rests in that. Somebody asked me the other day, they want me to do something with them on Friday. I have no days. I call them no days. Friday and Saturday, it's very hard to get a hold of me, just so you know. Even for my staff, they know not to call me. They just know. Pastor's resting. That's his rest days. There's a season. Come on. There's no things and there's yes things. There's seasons. There's rhythms. There's, there's rhythms. I want, mm -mm, rhythms. Rhythms are created. They're created by recognizing your season. I get invited to preach multiple places. I mean, I'll, regularly. I don't say yes to every one of them. I don't. You want to know why? There's a season. There's a season. There's a season. And I, the result of your life overwhelmness feeling is probably based on your season. Third thing is this, and then I'm done. Just think rest, not break. 
Think rest, not break. Oftentimes, when we think like we need, man, you feel overwhelmed, you're like, I need a break. And so when you say break, this is what you mean. This picture. Jesus. You think I just need a vacation. I don't know if you ever noticed this. You go to the vacation, you come back, and you're more stressed out. Anybody else? Like, I'm more stressed out now. I'm stressed about the money I spent. I'm stressed about my kids I had to take care of. I'm stressed about the suntan and the burn that I now have. And I'm stressed about all the things that I left. You know what I'm saying? Come on. I'm not the only one. And so if you think break, you're not going to ever try and really find true rest, the real rest that, that, that God talked about. In fact, Matthew chapter 11 says that. He says, get away with me. Get away with me. Get away with me. Not, 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 not go on vacation. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Rest is a condition of the soul. So is your soul healthy? Is, is your soul restful? There's two ways to have real rest. Number one is this, rest in salvation. Hebrews chapter 4 says this, For this is good news that God has prepared uh, Prepared this rest, has been announced to us just as it was to them. He says there's this real rest prepared for you. There's this real rest prepared for those who follow, who follow Jesus. And he goes, For only we who believe, for only we who believe, who believe, who have found salvation can enter into his rest. Two people struggle with resting in salvation. Number one is sinners. If you're a sinner in here, and you're a person who doesn't follow Jesus, congratulations, welcome to the club, we all are. But you might not know God, maybe you're still waiting to make a decision to follow him, and you might be in here thinking, as long as I work hard enough, maybe one day I can accept God into my life. You're never going to find rest like that. You need to rest in the saving, finished work, everybody say finished, finished work of Jesus Christ. He did it all, you don't need to do nothing. That's how you find rest in salvation for you who are not a believer. But for those of you who are a believer, there are some of us in here who struggle with that rest too. You found Jesus, accepted him in your life, and you're still trying to pay it for a ticket that has already been paid for. And sometimes you struggle with going to church. You're like, I sinned today, man. Jesus is going to be mad at me. Oh, really? I can't go to church. I got I to be holy when I go to church. If I go to church, I got to be a Christian to go to church. What? The, the, the church was created for non-Christians. Jesus started the church for non-Christians. We're supposed to be here to be the church. Come on. And so you are not, one of us could be on either side. We could be sinners or saints and struggle with this rest inside salvation. Jesus paid it all. Stop trying to pay a ticket. It's already been paid for. Second rest you can find is rest in the Sabbath. Some of you don't even know what that word means. Exodus chapter 20 says, remember to observe the Sabbath day, but say Sabbath by keeping it holy. I want to show you something. The reason you keep it holy, you have to keep it holy, is because someone else is trying to make it unholy. Something else is always trying to take your Sabbath. And a Sabbath is simply this. I want to give you a definition of Sabbath. Sabbath is clear as day. I want you, it's just a day you don't work. It's a day you don't work, a specific established time. You do not work. You do nothing that gains you anything other than rest. And some of us in here walk around wearing badges of no Sabbath. That is unhealthy, and you'll live your life overwhelmed. You think it's so cool that you work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you find, there's like, dude, right? Not you guys, other churches. We, they, they, they work and work and work and come home tired going, look what I did. And then you're stressed. And you're like, why am I so stressed? Some of us need to learn to take a Sabbath. And, and, and at the end of the day, I talked to someone, and they said, I can't seem to find rest. You don't find rest. You define rest. 
You don't find it. It's a never-ending search. It's on missing persons report. No one has found it. You don't find rest. You define rest, which means you have an established moment ahead of time where you are not going to do anything, and you say no. So that's the step I want you to take today. Here's how you do that. Rest starts by saying no. And some of you have never said that word. So you know what we're going to do today? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be like participatory church service today. We're all going to say no together. And I want you to say it like you're offended that someone would ever ask you to do something on your most prized possession day. All right? This is the moment where you can walk around and scream in offense the word no. We're going to do it on the count of three. Because we're going to say it, and it's going to be freeing, and you're going to know the next time you need to say this. Are you all ready to say it? One, two, three. Say it. There you go. Now you know how to say it. There you go. We don't have an excuse. Some of us need to say no more than we say yes. You can find your Sabbath the moment you say no. As we close today, I want to tell you the second step in summary. The second step. The second step. The second step. First was... I'm going to see things properly. The second step is we take, is that we, when we are overwhelmed, is we think godly ways so we can have godly peace. We have to think right. It starts with our minds. It's a powerful thing. As a man thinketh, so is he.